0: The markets, we just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, The Finance Coast and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than
1: 25 years of
0: combined experience in the markets. For those looking to take their market and business knowledge to the next level, we offer Magic Markets Premium, a research reports and podcast library that nearly has 100 reports in it and a new one every week all available for just 99 Rand a month. Recent reports have included the likes of Kroger, Deer & Co, Footlocker, McDonald's, UPS, Apple, Meta, Johnson & Johnson and Swatch. With broad variety and deep research, this is perfect for anyone looking to go to the next level. We invite you to join us in Magic Markets Premium. Go to magic-markets.com to subscribe. This episode of Magic Markets is brought to you by B2IT. Have you heard of robotic process automation, or RPA? It taps into the incredible potential of artificial intelligence to effortlessly handle those never-ending, monotonous tasks. Or as B2IT put it, they make robots, so people don't have to be robots. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. We thank B2IT for their support of Magic Markets. Welcome to episode 160 of Magic Markets, brought to you by our partner B2IT. Go and check them out for data and automation services. And Mo, thanks to them, we can basically pick two stocks, whichever two we'd really like, to go and do some research on and deliver in this show. We do try and theme it. Last week we did Ugly Shoes, probably upset a few people along the way. Uh, This week we're doing Cars, might upset some people along the way as well. Uh, you decided to take on Tesla, my bugbear, and I decided to take on Volkswagen Group. So this should be pretty interesting. Yeah, it
1: goes moving from ugly shoes to maybe ugly cars. If you look at the Cybertruck, again, let's let's start to rile
0: up our, our listeners here. Or, or anything else <laughs> with a Tesla badge on it, which ranges from Tupperware through to Angular.
1: We we know you hate Tesla. That's that's the reason why I'm gonna jump in first
0: because I want to rile you up and I want to you know get all of that 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 passion coming through. I just don't understand why they have to make such ugly cars. <laughs> like I I respect what they've done, but just make something that looks presentable. I just I'll,
1: don't I'll get it. I'll give them credit. I'll give them credit where due. The Tesla Roadster, which we know is not everyone's Tesla, and there are not many of them. The very first, the Tesla Roadster. That one's a beautiful car. I no, think we're it's re- nice.
0: We're we re- we're reaching now. There are like we're five reaching. of those. We're really, I, I'm, I'm scraping around. I I don't <laughs> like the
1: Cybertruck. I don't like the Cybertruck. And Tesla, well, do I like the stock? We'll get into that. Ghost, I'm going to jump right in because I I think Tesla has been very topical. It's probably one that people want to hear about. And it's actually a stock that we covered in Magic Markets Premium. And when I looked at when we covered this, it was way back at the start of 2022. February 2022 is when we had a look at Tesla. And I'm going to recap a couple of key points from that report because it, it is quite old now. But back then, we actually said that with Tesla, it's about storyboard investing and not the scoreboard. And I think that's really something that's come to the fore over the course of the last year and a bit, uh, because Tesla's really been a storyboard investment story. Now, back then we had highlighted, you know, the person you love to hate, Elon Musk. You know, we, I, think, I think you called him a cult leader. I stand corrected. I think it's in writing, Ghost. You can't run
0: away from that. One. I mean, is, is there anything that has proven me wrong? <laughs> In the intervening period.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. That, that's why I'm highlighting it. So so Elon Musk, I think we call him a cult leader. And, and in fact, he featured very prominently in both our bull box and our bear box. You know, as a visionary, he was in the bull box, but in the bear box, because very much a wild card, and we had highlighted the key person risk at Tesla being Musk, that hasn't gone away. I mean, very recently Musk, you know, effectively threatening shareholders and the board saying, you know, he doesn't want to go and build a Tesla bot, you know, the the new robot that hasn't really come through. He doesn't want to build that inside Tesla unless he has control of the company. So very much putting a gun to their heads. And again, that highlights this wildcard key man risk that the company does run. Certainly if you're going on storyboard investing, if you're buying Tesla for the cars and the the AI bots and all of the fantastic stuff that Musk might bring to the table, might be a question mark around that. Now, important to note that when we had covered this stock back in 2022, the stock price was $920. Now, that's not a mistake. That was pre a stock split. It was a three to one stock split. And so the comparison, I guess, would be around $300 there and thereabouts. And if we have a quick look at it, you can actually see that back then, we are looking at the 200-day moving average because the stock was a strong momentum play. So we, we said, look at the, the daily indicators rather than the weekly. And the 200-day was the level we were watching for support. We said, if it continues grinding along that, you know, those that were long on the momentum trade could stay in the stock. But that if the level was breached, that short traders could look to get involved. Now, again, looking back retrospectively, That level was breached, and we had highlighted to the downside. And I'm going to convert these numbers. So they were based on the pre-stock split. So I'm going to convert them. They translated down to downside targets of around $266 a share, $220, and then $175. Now, guess what? If you go and have a look at what happened, it actually broke that level in May 2022. So just a couple of months after our original report, it then tested it from below in August 2022, and then accelerated sharply to the downside and went all the way down to 103 odd dollars a share, which was well below our bear case. It was below our R3 level. And there's been a lot of noise around Tesla. We're going to unpack why and how and what's happened. But then in May 2023, the stock found its feet and broke a little bit higher, and then it's lower. So it's been all over the show since then. It's been very volatile, importantly, and this is why we, 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 we always look at the weekly averages for much longer-term trends, The 200-week moving average, that actually broke lower in December 2022, then tested it, and is now breaking lower again. So on an overall momentum play, a lot of the steam has come out of that Tesla narrative and the story. Back when we covered it in 2022, I was a lot more bullish on the optionality around the stock with a lot of caution and caveats around that. Ghost, you were suitably bearish. And we both said, and this was the number, we both said that we would look At the stock again, if it dropped below what was at that time $600 a share, translating now $200 a share. Guess what? We got well below that. We currently find ourselves below those levels. And that's why this show is really timely. I'll jump into some of the numbers and the more recent developments as my next talking points go.
0: Yeah, very, very interesting indeed. So, Volkswagen's share price is way more boring than Tesla. And, you know, you've got to remember that Volkswagen was at the center of that Dieselgate scandal where they basically cheated on emissions tests, right? And the company has been trying to clean up its act accordingly. Now, European governments are not blameless in this because different technologies are the flavor of the day in climate discussions. They are the worst, actually. At one point, diesel was seen as the savior, and we should all drive diesels, and that will magically sort of clean up the skies. No one really understands why or how, and as history has taught us, it didn't do that. Now it's all about EVs, even though there are plenty of concerns around the full supply chain, what the true footprint is, the full ownership cycle of a car, how long does the battery last? We won't let any of the practicalities get in the way of European politics. And if we go back to the 2022 financial earnings, and that's not not me misreading, I mean 2022 full year release because I want to set the scene for the past 12 months. The VW press release proudly talked about driving the electric offensive. They noted an expectation for 80% of all VWs delivered in Europe to be electric by 2030. They reckoned North America would be 55% electric by 2030. And their electric units have grown 23.6% year on year in 2022 to 330,000 units. So the platform coming into 2023 was one of great excitement around EVs. And that growth was against a backdrop of total deliveries falling 6.8 percent to 4.6 million that year so electric up 23.6 total deliveries down 6.8 it tells you internal combustion engine deliveries were way down and the other cool thing is that thanks to an improving supply chain situation their margins had increased quite nicely in 2022 to set a baseline for 2023 so they were feeling quite bullish coming into the year And it is important to remember margins are still very tight in this game. Their operating profit in that year was just 3.6% of sales. So selling cars is not an easy way to make money. And you can then kind of understand why the market looked at Tesla when the operating margins were still very, very high and got a little bit excited about some of those margins. But you can also see why I've been a bit skeptical of the sustainability of those margins when you get to a scenario where, one, there are more and more electric vehicles on the market putting pricing pressure on Tesla, and two, you have a scenario where at some point, government subsidies start to taper off. And literally just before we recorded this, I actually retweeted something on, on uh, Twitter or on X, you know, Elon Musk reference there, and it was about how German EV sales are expected to drop for the first time since 2016, and the car companies are blaming lack of subsidies. So everyone is very quick to cry about the environment, but they're also very happy to only do that when the government is paying them to cry about the environment. When the subsidies go away, then suddenly that 1.4 TSI, it's not so bad, is it though? Indeed,
1: and I mean, that's really been the story with Tesla. I mean, Tesla was the poster child for this EV revolution. You know, when you spoke EVs, And how everyone was going to drive an EV, guess what? Tesla was the way you wanted to get exposure to that. They were seen, incorrectly so I might add, they were seen as the only EV game in town. And we actually said, well, you've got to look at Tesla. Yes, there's optionality, but it's also just a car company. And remember, competition is coming. That's a theme that we highlighted not just in the Magic Markets Premium Report, but also in subsequent free shows where we had actually covered Tesla as a little bit of a recap. Now, if we have a look at what's happened in the industry, you've touched on a couple of points. I'll I'll just maybe pick up from there. Across the industry, we've actually seen demand for EVs cooling off. And this means that the demand has kind of come off from the the very heady levels. You've indicated how subsidies have fallen away. And these cars were traditionally quite expensive versus your, your traditional internal combustion engine vehicles. And that, I think, took the shine of the the EVs away from the consumer market. We actually then saw large companies like Hertz, for example, the rental company, they were actually downsizing the size of their fleets, their EV fleets. They were selling lots of Teslas recently at significant discounts. Remember, this came hot on the heels of Tesla themselves, discounting the retail price of their cars in order to protect market share. That caused a lot of volatility in the share price. A lot of those big jumps in the share price, if you have a look at Tesla, were related to this very erratic approach because there were reports in one month of Elon Musk cutting prices. Hey, guess what? The stock price actually falls sharply. Then after that saying, hey, we might actually increase prices again. So a lot of experimentation. Again, maybe that's a symptom of a market that's trying to find its natural equilibrium level once you remove the incentives and the subsidies. now. Jumping from that into financial performance, Tesla actually reported just last week for the year 2023, and it wasn't a bad story if we have a look at it on a headline level. So total revenue, that was up 19% compared to the previous year. An important point to note that there was a substantial non-cash Tax benefit of around just under six billion dollars that actually came through so that contributed quite significantly to the number but in aggregate still seen as a reasonably strong number on the top line if we have a look at production what's been happening there and again if you just dial back over the course of the last 12 months we've had production guidance being cut quite substantially but in aggregate for the year for 2023 they delivered over 1.2 million model-wise, and that actually made it the best-selling vehicle globally at that time, and in the fourth quarter alone, they produced just shy of half a million vehicles. So, I mean, those are strong, I say strong numbers, remember, they're strong numbers, but if the company's been talking up a strong story, that storyboard point that we made up front, it could still disappoint what are very lofty market expectations. In aggregate, though, and I'll get into this later on, The Chinese with BYD, Build Your Dreams, they've actually recently pipped Tesla as the largest EV production company, the largest EV producer in the world. So that's showing you the competitive pressures coming through. Now, there are a couple of other things happening inside Tesla. Energy storage, for example, that is a segment of the business that saw substantial growth. It actually doubled on a year-on-year basis and came through at just shy of 15 gigawatt hours in 2023. So, yes, there is optionality, but remember, there was a lot of optimism priced into the forward guidance on the stock, and that is where the story starts to fall flat. Because that's what disappointed the markets last week. When Tesla released, the numbers looked good at the face of it. But when you looked forward guidance for 2024... That's where it actually starts to fall off a cliff and we saw a sharp negative reaction in the share price. As my next point, I'll then go into just some of the competitive pressures coming out of China specifically. And then my favorite, I'm going to have a look at how these stocks have all performed over the last several
0: time periods. Now BYD could be the uh, Tesla share price, just break your dreams as opposed to build your dreams because that is what it's done, right? It's been a lot of like... Just a lot of pain for people who bought it too frothy. A lot of irritation for those who missed the entire rally, like me, through, I suppose, stubbornness around valuations. So, you know, sometimes I wish I could just trade the momentum, actually, and just switch off the fundamental part of me. But at the same time, it's then too easy to buy something that's very toppish and end up with a really poor outcome. So you got to stick to, I think, what works for you. Anyway, back to Volkswagen. So fast forwarding to today after setting the scene for 2023, we now have Reuters headlines from last week about an analyst call with Volkswagen management that left them feeling pretty good about the likelihood of the fourth quarter beating estimates when those numbers are released in March. This, of course, is just speculation at the moment. What is not speculation is the third quarter numbers, which were released a few months ago, and they reflected sales revenue growth of 16% year-to-date, based on vehicle unit sales up 11%, so obviously some inflationary benefits there as well. Electric vehicles up 45%, and the share of total deliveries for EVs up to 7.9% for the nine months and 9% for the quarter. So it's also quite interesting to note that EV growth was 74% in the US to just over 50,000 units versus 61% in Europe to 341,000 units. China, that's a more mature EV market, up 4% to 117,000 units. So it doesn't really tie up with that headline that just came out about German EV sales, does it? But obviously, Germany is just one country. You know, Europe is a big place, actually. So Volkswagen's a global brand. So you've got to look on a global level at what is happening in EVs. What I will say, though, is operating profit, that was down 7% for the nine months, with costs and manufacturing disruptions hitting the business in the third quarter due to floods in Slovenia. Automotive is tough, you know. We looked at Ford a short while ago, Mo, and I remember they had all those labor issues. You know, Volkswagen floods in Eastern Europe. It's just never easy. They've also had some problems with some of their hedges. So, at the time of those third-quarter results, they gave updated guidance for the full year, reflecting revenue up by between 10 and 15 percent, but operating profit flat because of the hedges. So. Just nothing exciting. And that, again, is why the share price just does a lot of sideways action, inevitably.
1: Yeah, and going to that German point, I mean, if you have a look at overall Germany as a country, that's, that's actually been fairly weak over the course of the last several quarters in Europe. It's, it's kind of been the drag on the eurozone region and it's been across the entire german industrial sector automotive obviously a very large portion of that so a little bit of macro coming through in terms of the german point specifically but let's now maybe zoom in on another macro point coming back to tesla because you mentioned china Uh, You know, the Chinese EV market, a little bit more mature. I I had the pleasure of visiting BYD's factory back in 2018, and it was amazing. Back then, just seeing the cars that they were actually producing, a lot of them were concepts at that point in time. Well, they've gone into production right now. So not surprising to see BYD, and I might add that Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway is a large investor in BYD Build Your Dreams. Uh, That company has been remarkably strong. Again, just by way of history, they started out as a battery manufacturer for Nokia, That was how the company was founded, and then effectively grew from that into batteries for everyone else, and now a massive EV player. Now, if we have a look at China specifically, that makes up around 22% of Tesla's revenue. They have a fairly big operation in China, and so they are quite sensitive to competitive pressures in that market, as well as any government or regulatory changes coming through in China. So be sensitive to that. But that's not the limit of Tesla's problems. If we have a look at what's been happening at Tesla, there have been quality concerns around the existing vehicles that are on the market. There have been problems with the full self drive coming through, people saying their cars just stopping on highways, and you know that's the last Tesla they're gonna buy. So that kind of reputational damage is taking the veneer, it's taking the shine of the Tesla story away. And when that happens in a market where EV players are coming through from the likes of Volkswagen and Mercedes and Toyota it actually doesn't spell a good growth story for Tesla in aggregate. So is Tesla standing still? Well, no. We know that they've actually rolled out a lot of their gigafactories. There's a gigafactory in Texas. There's a big one in China. There's a big one in Berlin as well. And they're actually orientating a lot of the production from those gigafactories towards this now new promised line of cars. Because again, if you have a look at Tesla, it's the same cars that we've had for the last 10 years. And so the market's getting a little bit bored of what's actually out there. It hasn't been revolutionary. And again, that's not what you expect when you come for a Tesla. You're looking at innovation. You're looking at change. So Tesla really does need to put new models on the market. Now, here's the rub. Elon Musk actually first promised to build a cheap EV back in 2020. He had a target of a $25,000 car. And then he backtracked on that. He shelved it. Now, those plans have been revived. And they're now indicating that they're going to be introducing a $25,000 entry-level EV car by 2025. So the market's going to be watching this closely because this is what you need to be the game changer for Tesla in order for it to actually grow and defend its space in the market. And whether they actually do that successfully or not, well, the jury's still out on that. Now, I'm going to move forward from that to quickly have a look at share price performance. I like looking at this, right, Ghost? And I think the highlight in our original report was that competition was coming, especially from BYD. We've indicated how that has proven correct, but what has that meant for the share price? Well, looking at Tesla over the last 12 months, it's down around 25%. That's not fantastic. But over five years, for those that were in the momentum trade, again, there've been lots of stock splits and so forth. That helps the, the share because again, you get more volume coming through, you move the price point down, and you introduce a lot of new speculative investors who are maybe shy of a $1,000 share price. Now they're getting in at around $100. It makes it more accessible. So over five years, the stock is up Eight hundred and seventy percent. Yes, you heard that correctly. Eight hundred and seventy percent. Now, how does it compare if we have a look at it versus some of the conventional auto players? And, and let's look at this over the last twelve months because that's when the market has been changing. And first and foremost, I think we highlighted this on a free show not so long ago. Stellantis. I think you called it the Poloni of the automotive manufacturers because there's a whole bunch of brands in there. But Stellantis has actually been the outperformer. That stock up over the last twelve months around 41 percent that takes the podium position i'm giving you that one because again you know maybe you heard the previous show it would be a cheat but ghost take a guess who comes through in the number two spot if you were to look at this uh, and again let's look at US ADR, so all in u.s dollar terms which big automotive manufacturer would you put on the number two spot over the last 12 months
0: uh gosh that is a tricky one um, let me not waste everyone's time guessing. I don't know, man. I doubt it's Ford. I want it to be Ford. It's, <laughs> it's probably not. It's,
1: well, it's not it's not it's it's Toyota. So Toyota uh... coming through just shy of Stellantis. And again, mm. Toyota's been doing such interesting things, not just in the EV space. They continue to experiment in the hydrogen fuel cell space as well. So Toyota coming through as the dark horse. You know, I know we called Ford a dark horse, but Toyota is a strong global automotive manufacturer, and they come through quite strongly. And so surprisingly, in the number three spot, we've actually got Tesla coming through. And Tesla comes through with a marginal positive performance there. And then the other motor manufacturers kind of struggling along below that over the last 12 months. So the point I want to land on this, Ghost, is that over the last five years, yes, we had Tesla very strong. That EV theme was very strong. But the point and what's changed fundamentally over the last 12 months is that the competitors have gotten their act together. And when you actually superimpose that on what are very lofty expectations of Tesla from a growth perspective, from a market share perspective, you've got to be very careful. I'm not saying it's not a good investment, but I am saying those competitive forces are strong and there are a lot of other players out there in the market. VW, as you've indicated, they're a contender. We've got Mercedes-Benz. It is a large and a very tough market. And I think Tesla's share price is starting to reflect the reality of being a car manufacturing company rather than some of the smoke and mirrors that it was trading on previously.
0: Now, value investors rejoice for that Stellantis performance because that is purely on valuation. There is no way that the underlying Stellantis business is better than anyone else. They were just priced for a horrible outcome. And so when you basically just survive, you know, you unwind that bankruptcy valuation. It's amazing what happens. So for my final point of this show, I just want to dig into the different brands inside Volkswagen because it's pretty interesting, actually. So the core brand portfolio is Volkswagen, Volkswagen Commercial, Skoda, and Seat. Remember, Seat came to South Africa a long time ago, was like the cool kids polo and golf. Anyway, sales revenue was 24% higher for the nine months for this group, and operating profit was 34% higher. But in the third quarter, their margins came under pressure. So nine months looked okay, third quarter, not so much. Volkswagen was hit the hardest, operating margin 3.4% for the nine months, way below Skoda, amazingly, 6.4, Seat 4.6, and Volkswagen commercial 6.0. We then move into the fancy stuff, which is where they chase margin. So this is the division that Volkswagen calls the progressive division. Now they lump together Audi, optimistically, with Lamborghini, Bentley, and Ducati, spot the odd one out. Revenue was up 13% for the nine months. Operating profit margin was 10.9%, so way higher than the, the core group. And then they have this third division called Sport Luxury. There's only one brand in there, and that would, of course, be Porsche or Porsche. If you are trying to impress people at the local club meeting, I'm going to just call it Porsche because I'm a normal person. And operating profit margin there was a magnificent 18.8% with higher vehicle sales and positive product mix. Just a fantastic business, right? And the product range just gets better and better and better. Then they have their trucks business. This has MAN in it, Scania, Navistar, Volkswagen truck and bus with operating profit margin of around 8% over the nine months. So they would rather sell you a truck than a Polo. And by now you must be dying to know what the split actually looks like. So Core Brands, that's 43% of revenue for the nine months. Progressive, that's the Lani stuff uh, and Audi, that contributed 21%. And Porsche was good for 11.8%. Now, the rest of the money is made by commercial vehicles and financial services. So all eyes are going to be on Q4. With Volkswagen Group, common stock, and you've got to really look quite hard at which ticker you should be looking at because there are as many, I think, Volkswagen-related listed companies as there are Volkswagens. But the Volkswagen Group common stock is down 22.5% over the past five years. It's down 8% or so in the past year. And you have to be quite careful here because there is a Porsche stock that is actually the holding company of Volkswagen Group. If you want Porsche specifically, you have to find the IPO. They made it a lot easier for you because it has a great stock ticker, and that is P911. And you might need to dial 911 if you bought the IPO because that share price is down 28% in the past year. It has not lived up to the IPO-related hype around being a luxury brand, and that's where I want to end off, because as good as Porsche's operating margins in the high teens actually is, Ferrari's margins are mid-20s for EBIT, so that is what real luxury looks like when there is more demand than supply, and Ferrari doesn't have to bother with advertising, they can be rubbish on a racetrack and still sell a 30 million rand car, Porsche has to work much harder than that to get Cayenne's out the door instead of BMW X5s or any of the other numerous competitors. And it is not a luxury brand, despite what they said in the IPO. So that share price has been a bit disappointing. Yeah,
1: goes my, my key takeaway is there, right? It's uh, first of all that, uh, you know, we said Tesla's not this, this fantastic company. It's a car manufacturing company at the end of the day. Uh, it's that uh, if you have a look at Porsche, well, maybe that's not, that's a car manufacturing company. It's not a luxury company. And Ferrari, well, that's not a car manufacturing company. That's a luxury company. Those are my key takeaways, right? I, I mean, and the last point actually is it's not whether your Audi is fancy. It's whether your Porsche is not fancy or whether your Lamborghini is actually an Audi in disguise. I know I'm going to irritate a lot of people out there, especially the Lamborghini drivers. But yeah, I guess that's where we have got to leave it this week. I mean, two very interesting companies. It is a tough, tough industry. I think You know, they're tougher ways. I think the only industry that I I think is tougher than automotive manufacture are airlines. Ghost, I think you'll agree. Airlines are probably an easier way to lose money.
0: Yeah, airlines are not not great. Just just on Lamborghini, before we go, they had their best ever sales here last year. I think off the cuff, if I read correctly, it was 10,000 units that they sold last year. So the Urus made a massive difference there. In the automotive game, you have to have an SUV. And if you go back in our premium show to when we did Ferrari, which was around the time that the Puro Sangue was launched, We said, watch what this thing will do for the business. Use use the Cayenne in Porsche as your template. Use the Urus in Lamborghini, uh, which is really just an Audi Q8 that went to very fancy private school. And uh, it's done amazing things for Lamborghini.
1: Oh, I, I as much as I like the Urus, you're spot on about that Q8 in disguise. And I think Sangue for the win. But what do you think, as our listeners? Because that's where we've got to leave it this week. Hit us up on social media. It's at Magic Markets Pod One Word. It's at Finance Ghost and at Muhammad Nala, all on X. Or go on to LinkedIn, find us on there, and pop us a note. Let us know what you think. And until next week, same time, same place. Thanks and cheers.
0: Ciao. We thank our sponsor B2IT for making this show possible. B2IT is all about making life easier, one robot at a time. If you hate it, automate it. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.